Good day, Crime Talk aficionados. It is January 9th, 2024, and we have a great show for you today. And hey, maybe we're going to offend some people, but I got to get my, get it off my chest. First, I'm going to say it. It's time for Gypsy Rose Blanchard to go away. Quietly, please. But before we get to that, we have the judge amending the uh, camera order in the Brian Koberger case. Becky Hill, remember her? The clerk that's under fire for the Alec Murdoch case? Her co-author is jumping ship and wants nothing to do with her. Michelle Traconis, well, her trial starts Thursday. Um, another guy allegedly killing his wife, well, because extramarital issues. Where have we heard this storyline before? And then, yes, our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. Hi, lawyer. Lawyer. Good day, everyone. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Thanks for joining us. You know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't, like if you do, and leave me a comment below. And remember to hit that little bell for notifications, and you can listen to us anytime on any of your favorite podcasting apps. Now, why do I say that? Yes, hit the, hit the bell, because when you've gone to YouTube jail, they strike people. So hit the little bell, please. All right, let's go ahead and uh, get to the show today. Let's open the record. And first on the docket, Judge John Judge presiding over the uh, Idaho quadruple murder of Brian Koberger. Well, he has made a change to his November order allowing cameras in the courtroom. Now, the original order stated that all future court proceedings for Mr. Koberger will be live streamed using court equipment. Media cameras will not be allowed inside the courtroom. The original order following Koberger's defense team's motion to eliminate all cameras in the courtroom. The judge set a rule preventing media from close-up shots. However, the judge claimed that the media was not obeying that stipulation. So he said, fine, hold my beer. I'll handle this. So instead of having professional videographers do it, now the court, instead of listening to testimony, working on rulings, being completely focused on the trial, now he is going to supervise the videotaping of the court proceedings as well. So the court also put out an amended order yesterday that states that all laptops and other mobile devices may be used for note-taking only, but email, chat, record or transmit audio images or written accounts of the proceedings to platforms such as Facebook's X, Instagram, YouTube, blog, or other similar platforms or websites are prohibited well, in the courtroom. Okay. I get it. You can type on your computer in the courtroom, but don't hit send. Okay. Anyway, the court continues in its new order and says the court is mindful of the need to balance, one, the constitutional rights of the defendant to a fair hearing, and two, the public's right to information in conjunction with the constitutional and statutory rights of the media to attend the proceedings, and third, the court's interest in maintaining order and an environment that permits all participants to focus on the responsibilities without undue distractions, and four, the court's interest in the safety of the public and the court personnel. The judge wrote in his amended order. So the video and audio recording may be stopped or paused at any time by order of the court to protect sensitive witnesses, exhibits, members of the trial jury, or for any other 
reason the court deems necessary pursuant to the Idaho rules. Anyway, Mr. Koberger's next scheduled hearing is set for January 26. This will be the first time the court will be supervising, running, monitoring all of the video from the courtroom. So we'll see how that goes. And by all means, yes, press, take your laptops, but don't hit send. That will get you held in contempt. Common sense, ladies and gentlemen. You know, common sense used to be way back in the day when very few people were educated, um, the commoners, <laughs> but even commoners knew that something was such common sense that that's kind of the, the, the way things were. I mean, I hate to say, but we need to get back with a little more common sense instead of, I don't know, judges telling us when and when we can type and how and send. Like the court reporters, the court has all their computers in the courtroom. You think they're going to be sending emails back to this court staff? Yes, they are. Speaking of somebody that did that, hey, let's talk about Becky Hill. Remember the court clerk in the Brian Koberger matter? Yeah. She's also wrote a book. Well, the co-author who worked with the Colton County clerk, Becky Hill, to publish a book about Alec Murdoch's trial now says that his share of the proceeds from the book sales will be donated to the Smith Memorial Fund. So the uh, co-author, a guy by the name of Neil Gordon, wrote that uh, behind the doors of justice with Hill and released the book shortly after the trial. The uh, two self-published the book, which Hill recently admitted to plagiarizing portions of it. And it's been reported that there's been some ethics investigation into Hill for allegedly using her position as a clerk to promote her book. So that's right. The co-author is going to donate all of his money. Wants nothing to do with Miss Hill. Okay. And this goes to a bigger issue. I, I just have to say it. You got the private sector where your goal is to make money. You've got the public sector. Your goal is to go be a public servant. If you want to go have a side hustle, then quit your job as a public servant and go do that. But don't profit off your job while you're there. Why are public employees not doing their job first? Maybe Ms. Hill, and I don't know if there's been misconduct, we have some allegations of it, but maybe she should have been focusing more on her job than thinking about how can I profit off this as a public employee to write a book. You want to do that? Quit your job, sit in the courtroom every day, and that's it. I don't care if you're a court clerk. I don't care if you are a member of a state house, Congress. It doesn't matter. You're there to do your job. You shouldn't become rich or profit while you're in public office. It kind of makes you think that maybe people wouldn't be looking out for the best interests of the public that they serve when they're looking out for their own self-interests. Huh. Think about that. Hmm. Next on the docket, Michelle Traconis. Do you remember her? That's right. She was the girlfriend of Photo Dulos, who was accused of killing up his wife, beating her, bludgeoning her to death in the garage of her house, and her remains have never been found. Yep, that's the Venezuelan national that was arrested over the 2019 disappearance of her late boyfriend's ex-husband, Jennifer Dulos. Well, her trial is scheduled to start in Connecticut on Thursday. 
Now, Jennifer Dulos vanished from her New Canaan home, which is close to Stanford, Connecticut, after dropping off her five children at school back on May 24th of 2019. Has it been that long? I remember when this story broke, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, Jennifer and uh, Photo Dulos had been uh, in a messy and acrimonious child custody battle amid divorce proceedings with, obviously, photos. And uh, like I said, he's accused of uh, beating her, disposing of her body. Now, Traconis was in a relationship with Photos at the time, and prosecutors believed uh, she helped him with the killing. But Photos killed himself in his mansion uh, while awaiting for trial back in January of 2020, leaving Traconis to deal with all of this on her own. Now, he did write a note, if you may remember, saying that he had, nobody had anything to do with it. Everybody's been wrongfully accused. Well, that piece of paper is not worth the paper that it's written on. Hearsay, confrontation clause, subject to cross-examination, useless. Now, Mr. Traconis had denies any wrongdoing. She denies that uh, she committed a conspiracy to commit murder, tampering with physical evidence, and hindering the prosecution. And during some police interrogations over several days back in uh, 2019, she was grilled about her then-boyfriend's whereabouts um, as the time of uh, Jennifer Photos' disappearance. When she could not disclose whether he was at their home, one detective tried to encourage her to spill anything she knew about the movements by touting it as a golden ticket to save her reputation. Hmm, and a way out of prison, perhaps. Because the detectives tried to let her know that, hey, you're plastered all over the news, and reality of it is, you, you are one of the most hated women in America. And she repeatedly tried to say, I'll be honest with you. The detectives also tried to say, hey, if you know where he could have been and maybe something he's done, um, frequent trips or something, maybe even if he said something in jest, let us know. We're trying to help you help us. So these uh, videos that were released also show Traconis uh, crying, insisting that she was not covering for photos Dulos. Now, as we noted, Jennifer's remains have never been found, but they didn't find some blood in the garage where someone had attempted to mop up and clean up a mess of blood. Police also found traces of her blood in the car, which was later found abandoned in a parking lot. And investigators found bags of items, which included Jennifer's blood and DNA, disposed in Hartford. But some evidence was never found. So we'll see how that trial goes. It's going to be interesting. Interesting. Clearly, old Photos had a little consciousness of guilt as by his uh, suicide um, slash attempt, failed suicide attempt. He couldn't even do that right. What a loser. All right. Next on the docket, Gypsy Rose. I'm going to say it. I'm tired of Gypsy Rose. She needs to go away. Guess what she was doing? Now, I guess things changed in Missouri because I got clients on parole. They won't let them leave anywhere. Right. They got to you got to when you get out on parole, normally you get a job, you settle in and oh, you get a job. That's it. There's not a whole lot of traveling. But old Gypsy Rose. No, 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 not her. She attended the premiere of her new six part documentary series with her new husband in New York City on Friday. And it was their first, I'm sure, of many red carpet events to come. So just one week after getting out of uh, prison on parole, Gypsy celebrated the release of the uh, prison confessions of Gypsy Rose Blanchard about her now infamous life story. Now, she and her husband, Ryan Anderson, both um, apparently got all decked out for this. 
so that they could watch her story of uh, her being imprisoned under horrific abuse as a child and later for her role in her mother's violent murder. Now, Ryan, the school teacher, who sure makes a modest income, uh, wed Gypsy back in July of 22. And he was uh, also at the uh, premiere, and they were taking such cute photos together. Look at that. Anyway, they put on quite the public display of affection, and they were also, you know, engaged in lots of PDA. How cute. Um, now, as you may think, you know, Gypsy's been catapulted to celebrity status as people are following her on the Internet. Now, because of her limelight on her husband, she uh, was forced to defend Ryan against the trolls, leaving negative comments on their respective social media pages. While doing show, she uh, gave some sex details as it relates to uh, their um, private life. In the comment section of a recent uh, selfie Ryan shared on Instagram, Gypsy told him to ignore the haters before adding that her husband is rocking her world on a nightly basis. Ryan, don't listen to the haters, she began. I love you, and you love me. She continued about how they don't owe anyone anything, and that's our family is what matters. If you get likes and good comments, great. If you get hate, then whatever, because they don't matter. I love you. Besides, they jealous because you are rocking my world every night. Yeah, I said it. The D is fire. Happy wife, happy life. So anyway, like I said, the uh, prison confessions of Gypsy Rose Blanchard premiered on Lifetime on January 5th and it is available for streaming now. Oh, but don't forget, she also has that new ebook release called Conversations on the Eve of Freedom was released Tuesday, and it is uh, Gypsy saying that uh, her superfans' social media post declared she didn't belong in prison and they wished that they could bust her out. So guess what? That triggered the staff at the correctional facility that she was in to put her into isolation because they believed that she was going to be busted out of jail. Well, the ebook features a collection of letters, phone transcripts, and photos from her prison stay and uh, was written with uh, two other authors who were ultimately later interviewed her in jail. I wish her well. She had a crummy childhood. Guess what? I have had a lot of people that I know, mostly clients, but other people I know, had a totally crappy childhood. And in some cases, I would say even worse than what Gypsy Rose had. They didn't kill their parents. Let's get it straight. She conspired to kill her mom. That's it. I get it. She's got some good information. Good mitigation, I mean. It's a sad story. But guess what? I try to sell my client's sad story to judges on a daily basis, to prosecutors. And they're like, ooh, play me a little violin. And they'll literally say, don't care about your crappy childhood. Did you know what they were doing? Did they know what they were doing when they committed the crime? That's what prosecutors normally care about. She got her break. You think she would just want to go away quietly. I think this is going to end ugly. That's just me. But I wish her well. But I would think that, you know, when you get out of prison for conspiring to kill your mom, you shouldn't possibly be on the A list of people to hang out with. She's not. She may think she is, but she's not. Okay? She has no real talent. She has no skill other than convincing someone else to kill her mom. I think it's probably time for her she didn't get some education while she was in prison to go complete something, trade school, go to college, 
better herself. But to think that she's going to make a living being an Instagram influencer, I don't know. I think it's coming to an end. I'll leave it at that. Let me know if you disagree or, Scott, you suck. I get it. Hey, on a much lighter note, how about of another dude killing his wife? Because, you know, there's a uh, extramarital affair going on. So the former Mayo Clinic doctor accused of poisoning his wife with medicine uh, that is used to treat people with gout. Well, they apparently had an open relationship, and that failed. Well, and guess what? He's been indicted on the count of first-degree murder. Please meet Connor Bauman. He was arrested in Rochester, Minnesota, and initially charged with second-degree murder in the death of his wife, Betty Bauman, but was handed a second charge of murder in the first degree last week. Now, the grand jury there in Minnesota issued the indictment on January 5th, and the county attorney, a guy by the name of Mark Ostrom, uh, stated uh, the facts. He said, Betty Bowman herself, an operating room pharmacist at the Mayo Clinic, died on August 20th following a four-day hospital stay for suspected food poisoning. Her husband is accused of fatally poisoning using a drug called colchicine, C-O-L-C-H-I-C-I-N-E. Tell me how it's pronounced. And that's used to treat gout. Well, when Betty began to suffer from cardiac issues and her organ failure issues during her stay in the hospital, the good Mr. Bauman, Dr. Bauman, also a pharmacist, so he's not really an MD, he's a PharmD, he suggested that she suffered from a rare illness where white blood cells build up and damage organs. However, police investigators said that uh, she was considered a very healthy person before her passing and experienced no previous symptoms of this rare disease. Now, one day after her death, the Southeast Minnesota Medical Examiner's Office told the Rochester Police Department about a suspicious death and prevented a cremation from taking place. Well, police said that Dr. Bauman had asked the medical examiner's office for his wife to be cremated immediately because her death was a natural death. Well, the good doctor had also emailed death investigators asking if toxicology reports were more thorough than what would typically be done at the hospital. And Dr. Bauman had recently finished the clinic's pharmacist residency and also worked as a poison control specialist. And the probable cause affidavit also revealed that there was a relationship or their relationship was fraught with, well, some extramarital issues and other issues that come up when that starts happening. Now, one woman, apparently close to the couple, said that they had been talking about divorce following some infidelity and the deterioration of the relationship. But despite the couple agreeing to be in an open relationship with no strings attached, Bauman allegedly became infuriated with his new girlfriend, prompting Betty to confront him and also suggest that they start divorce proceedings. Well, Dr. Bauman, who was in debt, also told a friend he was due for a $500,000 life insurance policy following his wife's death. Upon searching Bauman's home, investigators found a $450,000 bank deposit receipt. About 10 days before Betty's death, a friend reportedly tried a smoothie that Bauman had made for his wife, and uh, she noted that it tasted not good, and that the friend even joked that maybe Connor must be trying to poison her. Betty uh, remarked that uh, she had considered it at the time and said she didn't think that that could possibly happen. However, she chose not to drink the smoothie anyway and threw it out, according to the affidavit. 
Anyway, one of Betty's boyfriends told detectives she was so sick she could not sleep at all after a night of drinking with her husband four days before her death. Not really sure how that's relevant. But she said the culprit may have been alcohol that was mixed into a large smoothie, according to the affidavit. Anyway, investigators assert that Dr. Bauman used his Mayo Clinic email address to buy some drugs and that he used an online tool to calculate, coincidentally, a lethal dose, a lethal dosage of the drug and just happened to use his wife's weight. Coincidence? Obviously. Well, after seizing Bauman's University of Kansas-issued laptop, cops found that he had also purchased a sodium nitrate, a chemical compound that lowers blood pressure. Hmm. Dr. Bauman ultimately tried to blame Betty for fraudulently buying the uh, drugs under his name. Blame the dead woman. Anyway, the um, 30-year-old's uh, conduct attracted suspicion in the days following his wife's deaths. And Fred's described his demeanor as stoic and calm as he went out for drinks, appearing to be happy or at least indifferent about his wife's passing. Well, needless to say, the good doctor has been charged with first-degree murder. And if he is convicted, he will face the potential of life in prison without the possibility of parole. His next court date is January 16th, which makes you wonder all of these cases, ladies and gentlemen, where the spouse dies poisoned. I can think of two cases off the top of my head. It's always been a doctor, and there's always been a third person in this little love triangle. I don't get it. Get a divorce. Don't kill them. You're a pharmacist. You're going to make bank. Yes, he was in the little, uh, he was he was in the process of doing his rotations, but as a pharmacist working in a hospital, he's probably going to be making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year rather quickly. Between the two of them, they could pay off those student debts easily and be done. But no, he threw it all away for a girl. And then he tried to kill his wife. And now he's looking to go into prison. Now we'll give him the presumption of innocence. But, you know, I think that's pretty convincing when people look at a particular drug that could kill somebody and you just happen to use your wife's weight as the calculation for an overdose. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just getting old and cynical. I don't know. But I think that's pretty compelling. And finally today, our dumb criminal of the day. Now, days after allegedly beating her boyfriend with a Christmas tree, yes, we brought you the story, a Florida woman hit the same victim in the face with a glass vase on New Year's, according to police. Miracle Rivera, remember her? Yes, was arrested and charged with battering the victim inside their Largo residence. Now, the January 1 attack occurred, according to the police, during an argument between Rivera and her 24-year-old boyfriend. And the glass uh, flower uh, vase struck the left man with visible injuries in his face, according to the complaint. Now, Ms. Rivera was uh, charged with aggravated battery with a deadly weapon, a felony because the vase is the deadly weapon. She was also hit with a misdemeanor domestic battery charge for allegedly scratching the victim on his face and the abdomen earlier in the morning. Uh, but don't worry, I don't think Ms. Rivera is going to be doing this again for a while because she is locked up in the county jail without bond and um, she is going to have her initial appearance. So as you may recall, on December 24th, she was busted for the uh, Christmas tree attack uh, where she was freed on uh, jail. She was 
She was released from jail on Christmas Day on a personal recognizance bond. As part of her release, however, she was ordered by the judge to have no contact with the victim. That's right. So now you got a violation of the court's order. That's called contempt, ladies and gentlemen. So, Miss Rivera, man, it's already ringing in one heck of a new year. Congratulations. I, Frank, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the first time that we've had a dumb criminal twice in the same week, twice in the same month. In less than a month. In less than a month. Yeah. Think about that. My gosh. I mean, we had the guy attack the judge the other day. We had the guy with his dismount from the pool. Ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be a great year. This is going to be a great year. All right, thanks for watching. Hey, remember, it's Tuesday. What does that mean? Our Tuesday night live show, 6 p.m. I think we may talk about Gypsy Rose. Want to join us? See you then.